You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. The assignment that the Lord has given me for this morning, hallelujah, by the Holy Spirit, and I believe, you know, God does everything on purpose. There's nothing He doesn't do without purpose. And so this morning will be a, a little bit lighter, praise God, but I still believe it's going to be powerful. Amen. And we're going to talk about serving in the church. Amen. And as we talk about serving in the church, I believe that this is something that we have to continually put vision out for because it's something that is applicable to every single person in the body of Christ. Amen. It's not just applicable for the fivefold ministry, yes, the, the praise and worship team, but this is something that every single one of us should be doing. And so I believe this is going to hit us on three different levels this morning. Number one, it's going to hit those that have been serving in the body of Christ for a long time. And I believe God is going to inspire you not to let go of what you're doing. I said God is going to inspire you not to let go of what you are doing. Amen. I've been studying the book of Nehemiah a lot, and we've got to have that singular purpose like Nehemiah. I am building something great and cannot come down from the wall. Hallelujah. As you serve in the body of Christ, you are building something that is bigger than you. Hallelujah. I also believe it's going to inspire those of us that have maybe fallen away from a heart of service unto the Lord. And this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to invite you and give you an invitation and, and put it on your heart to get involved once again. Can I get an amen? And then finally, I believe it's going to hit us, maybe those of us that have never served in the body of Christ before, it's going to hit us and say, you know what? I've got something to do for him. This whole thing is bigger than I am. And I need to be a part of it so it'll get done. Thank you for your excitement this morning. Hallelujah. This is a message that I believe in with all my heart. I tell the staff all the time, different individuals as we're talking, even if I wasn't on staff at Cornerstone Word of Life Church, I would be doing the same things in the church that I'm doing today. I'd be helping with the sound. I'd be helping with production. Because I don't do this because I'm a pastor. I do this because I'm a servant of the King Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I give my life to him regardless of position. I give my life to him because we're building the kingdom of God in the earth. Amen. And it's vital, important for all of us. Amen. We serve to make a difference. And the more people serving, the bigger difference we can make. Glory to God. I want to read a very familiar passage to you over here in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16 out of the NIV. It says, you are the light of the world. Now, I love Jesus when it comes to this scripture because previously, before this, he said, I am the light of the world. And he was talking about how he's the light of the world. And then all of a sudden, he takes a turn here in verse 14 and he turns it on to the disciples and he says, you are the light of the world. Everyone say, I. Hallelujah, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see, here we go, your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You have two ministries, whether you like it or not. You have a ministry outside the church and you have a ministry inside the church. Amen. And that ministry, it consists of you doing good deeds, which can also be translated as good works. Amen. And as we do these good works and these good deeds, why do we do them? So everyone will glorify your Father in heaven. 
Amen. It doesn't matter if you're serving God outside the building or inside the building. You are letting people see your heavenly father. Amen. It's not just for outside the church, but it's also for inside the church. In verse 16, it could also be translated this way. You let your source of light shine before others. Now grab a hold of that. When you serve outside the church and inside the church, what are you doing? You are letting the source of your light shine. You know, back in the olden days, I'm so glad, you know, <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't live back then. Horse and buggy? No, I'm not about that. <laughs> Give me a Tesla. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. No internet? <laughs> I guess that's why books and stuff were written, you know, and, and we have all these wonderful inventions is because they didn't have anything else to do. But I'm grateful for the time that I live in. Give me the internet. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Give me air conditioner. I'm grateful for it. But if you go way back, uh, you know, they used to have candles and lampstands and they would only produce light in the house as long as the source of oil remained full. Without that source, there was no light. See, there's a source to the light that lives on the inside of you. There's a source to the good works and the good deeds that you do. Come on now. And when you do those good works and you do those good deeds, what you're doing to the world is you're exposing the source of that light. And as you expose the source of that light, now everybody can see your heavenly father and then they begin to join you in glorifying him. See, you expose God to the world as you serve. Woo, glory to God. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11 out of the Barren Study Bible says this. If anyone speaks, he should speak as one conveying the words of God. If anyone serves, he should serve with the strength of God, the strength God provides. So that in all things, y'all ready for this? So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be the glory and the power forever and ever. So as we serve, amen, all things God will be glorified. As we serve, it glorifies God and allows us to experience his glory and his power because it's led in the source of our light shine, that is Jesus Christ. Amen. And I love that. We serve to glorify God. And both are vital in the day and age we live in. We've got to serve God outside the church and let our light shine. Amen. I refer to Walmart a lot. Let your light shine at Walmart. And the reason I refer to it a lot is because I used to work there. Walmart needs Jesus. Amen. Well, if you've ever been, amen. And when you're at Walmart, you need Jesus. Hallelujah, because, you know, they got all these checkout lines, amen, and they got three people working the checkout lines, and then they've replaced half their workforce with robots, and half the robots are broken. And so you're standing there like, where's all the people? Get me out of here. Hallelujah. The world needs Jesus. But listen to me now, so does the church. I think sometimes when we think about serving and letting good work shine forth, we think about just letting our good work shine forth out in the world. When we're at the restaurant, when we're at the grocery store, when we're at work, and all that is true. But you ought to let your good works be demonstrated in this place as well. Hallelujah. Titus chapter 3 verse 8 out of the English or the uh, ESV, English Standard Version. 
This saying is trustworthy, and I want to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Everyone say, I'm devoted. Devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. One translation says, beneficial for everyone. As you devote yourself to good works, it is profitable, listen to me now, to everybody. Amen. This is why we can come to church and somebody who's never been to church can be blessed. We can come to church and somebody like me who was born on the pew can be blessed. Because every time we devote ourselves to good works, it reaches everybody. It reaches somebody who's known God their whole life and it reaches somebody who's never known God. Because when we do good works, it lifts up the source of light, which is Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ can begin to destroy yokes of bondage and take burdens off of people's lives. And it reaches Everybody. I love that translation. It says beneficial to everyone. So you could say it this way. Everybody's blessed when you serve. Everybody is blessed when you serve. We use the expression, even the garden hose gets wet when water runs through it. Right? When you're watering flowers, it's not just the flowers that's getting water. The hose gets wet too, amen? You are a conduit for Jesus Christ. So as you're letting him use you to water other people's lives, you're getting blessed too, baby. That's just, that's how good God is. He's not going to use your life to help somebody else and then not take care of you on the way through. Amen? Over in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, our New Living Translation says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. We can stop right there and preach. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. In the world and in the church, let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Someone say, I'm not giving up. Therefore, I love this so much. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Now listen to the last part of this. Especially to those of the family of faith. So a couple things in here that Paul highlights. Number one, he encourages them not to get tired of doing what is good. No matter how long you've been serving, he says, don't get tired of doing it. Y'all, I was born in 1980. I know that's a surprise to some because I look 15. I was born in 1980, started serving in 1982. (laughs) right? I'm exaggerating a little bit, but as a preacher's kid, my service to the church was almost immediate. Amen. As soon as you could walk and talk, hey, the children's workers didn't show up. You're a child. Go serve. (laughs) Hallelujah. Right. And can anybody relate to that? Glory to God. I mean, I've been serving in the church my whole life. And so when the apostle Paul speaks to this, it hits my heart heavy. Don't get tired of doing good. Robert, you've been serving for 40 years. Don't get tired. Woo, this is helping someone this morning. Maybe you woke up this morning and be like, I can't believe I got to get there early to serve again. The Apostle Paul encourages you from prison. Don't get tired of doing good. <laughs> don't get tired of doing good. Amen. So that's the first thing he said. You got to continue to do these good works. Secondly, he tells us to take every opportunity. You know what Sunday is? It's an opportunity. You know what Wednesday is? Come 
on now, don't be scared. It's an opportunity. He said, take advantage of every opportunity to do good works, especially to the house of faith. So he now he begins to prioritize things. Yeah, you got to do good works out in the world and you got to let your light shine, but you should especially be doing it in here. And let me tell you why. Because mm. if you can't serve people in the church, you'll never serve people in the world. Because this is an environment where serving is easy. Because for the most part, everyone gets along and everybody's united with singular focus and purpose, same objective. It's easy to serve in here. You have the support, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Trying to serve out there when people are mad at you. <laughs> Trying to serve out there when it's... Uh, so this is training. And he says, take every opportunity to do good, especially in the house of God to your brothers and sisters in Christ. So you can learn how to serve people at Walmart when you're mad at them. Why? Because God wants this to become like training. He wants, a, he wants our service in the world to be just reactionary. You're so used to doing it. Amen. You can recognize it. You're kind of like, I never played baseball. I barely played t-ball. <laughs> you know that little stand that holds the ball? I hit that stand more and I hit the ball. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'd hit that stand, it'd fall, and it'd start rolling, and I'd just take off running. Hallelujah. But when a baseball player is playing baseball, man, they, they've been practicing so long, as soon as that ball leaves the pitcher's hand, they can tell. I mean, come on, that thing's coming at 104 miles an hour. They don't have a lot of time to decide. <laughs> it's got to be reactionary. Oh, that looks good. I'm swinging at that, baby. That's going 400 yards over the fence. God wants our service in the world to be reactionary, so when you're at Walmart and something happens, your reaction is to serve. Well, how do you do that? You're so used to doing it in this place. It's second nature to you. Oh, they look like they're in a hurry. I don't know if they got an emergency or something going on. I'm standing in line. I got one thing. Why don't you just go ahead of me? What's that? That's serving. Well, where'd I learn how to do that? In the church as an usher. Amen. We cannot get tired of doing this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, our New Living Translation says, For you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Y'all don't want me to stop there, so someone say amen. amen. Hallelujah. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Now, we just sang that song, freedom. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why, why, for who the sun sets free is free indeed. Why did he set you free? So you can use that freedom to serve one another in love. So you can expose the source of your light to the world so everyone can be blessed. Listen to the definition of serve. To perform duties or services for another person or an organization. I'll read it one more time. Serve means to perform duties or services for another person or an organization. When we come in here and we're serving, yeah, the hose gets wet as the water comes through, but I'm doing it to be a blessing to everybody else. We can do what the Bible says, and we'll look at the verse here in a minute, but preferring others above myself. You know, we just sang that other song. He was selfless. You, sir, Jesus was not selfish. He was selfless. And I'm so grateful that he preferred others above himself when it came to the cross. I'm so grateful that he didn't have a selfish moment and say, no, nah, that looks too hard. 
Y'all just smile. Because how many times have we said that about serving? No, that's just, that's too big of a commitment for me. I can, if y'all stay happy, I won't meddle. Y'all start looking depressed, I'm going to meddle because then I'll just start picking on you. Amen. It's like a comedian at stand-up, man. Once they get going on the crowd, they're relentless. (laughs) You don't want me to stop. Amen. But I wonder how many times in the flesh we said, no, it's too hard to get there early. (laughs) I hear you all in the spirit. Move on. All right. (laughs) To perform duties or services for another person or organization, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4 out of the Baron Study Bible. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty pride, but in humility consider others more important than yourself. (laughs) Did you know you're not the most important person in the world? (laughs) <laughs> That'll set a lot of people free right there. Hallelujah. You're not the most important person in the world. And I know this kind of cuts against stuff that we're taught a little bit, but people didn't wake up today with the intent to ruin your life for the most part. Because for the most part, they're concerned about their own life. I'm not the most important person in the world. There's one who is. His name is Jesus. He's way more important than I am. Hallelujah. Make others more important than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also the interest of others. Now, both these books, the book of Galatians, the book of Philippians, they were written to the church. So he's talking to us. Amen. And he said that you should look to the interest of others before yourself. As we serve in the church, we are putting others before ourselves so the Lord can be glorified. It's that simple. We're exposing our source of light. We're doing good works and good deeds so that our Heavenly Father can be glorified. This happens no other way but through serving. Amen. As we serve together in the body of Christ, we're building something. And I got news for you, and this isn't going to catch anybody off guard, but what God builds is big. You know, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about Noah and his ark. And there's so much different interpretation when it comes to the ark as far as how many years it took and how big it was. I read one stat where it said it was 450 feet long. That is huge. You know, I don't know if you still have it up there, Wesley, but go ahead and throw it up or whoever's on ProPresenter. These are the uh, prayer towers at Oral Roberts University, and they say that these were written or these were built to the dimensions of the ark. The tall one represents the length. The other one uh, to the right represents the height, and then the third one represents the width. And I was thinking about Noah's Ark, and some theologians say it took 100 years, some say it took 25 years, some say it took 75 years. Regardless, it took him a long time. And I was thinking about that Ark, and I was wondering, I wonder if it took him a long time to build it because it was just him and his family. I wonder if he could have built it faster if he had more help. Now, it doesn't, the Bible is very purposeful in its intent, and I believe everything we need to know is written in here. So if Noah would have hired this work out, I believe the Bible would have told us because there's other places in the word of God where God instructed people to build things. And then later on, he tells us, I've brought you naturally crafted uh, men with skills of every time to help you build. He said this over in Exodus chapter 31, to help you build what I've told you to make. But he doesn't give us such words when it comes to Noah building the ark. Right? 
And so we understand that maybe it took 75 years, maybe it took 100 years. We just know it's somewhere between the range of 50 and 100 that it took him to build it. But I wonder if it would have happened quicker. Now listen to this. Why is this important? Because, now this is Old Testament, hallelujah. People had gotten sinful and they'd fallen away from God. And so God was going to hit the reset button. He was going to start all over. So we know it was coming, the flood, right? I'm going to destroy every living thing. If that alone should make you grateful for the blood of Jesus Christ. Glad I don't live under old covenant judgment. Lest we all have to find a life vest. (laughs) Amen. And so God's intent and his plan and his purpose was to start over. But I wonder if that intent and plan, because this is the way it works, it's always delayed upon man's response. So maybe what he needed to do was supposed to start and happen sooner than it did. But he had to wait until the work was finished, until it was built. See, what is God wanting to do in this place, but he's waiting to do it until it's built? Let me give you an example. What are you talking about, Robert? Listen, I believe there's a lot of good churches in Madison, Alabama. And you know what? If every single person in Madison went to church, every church would be filled to overflowing. You know, there's several reasons why that's not happening. But one reason that doesn't happen is because there's not enough people serving. Imagine if 500 brand new, you know, as revival breaks out and people start flooding the church house looking for answers, 500 people show up to church this morning. You know how chaotic that would be? Amen. What makes it less chaotic? Having enough people in the right places to handle that type of growth. To handle the ministry from going forward and doing what God's asked it to do and being all he's asked it to be. And so when we serve, we build something. 2 Peter uh, chapter th- uh, 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand. Instead, he's patient with you. And we're all grateful for that. Not wanting anyone to perish, but to have everyone come under repentance. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, verse 4. I'm showing you something here. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who wants everyone. Somebody say everyone. Who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants what God is building is big. He doesn't want any to perish. He wants everyone to come to salvation and the knowledge of truth. What does that mean? He wants the church to be growing. Amen. He wants the kingdom here on earth to be growing and people to be flooding the church house. But in order for that to happen, the infrastructure has to be built to handle it. What's the infrastructure? Those who serve. Amen. We've got a real time example of this over in Exodus. If you would go over to chapter 18. Y'all doing all right this morning? Hallelujah. Glory to God. This stuff is important. Because no matter what you've been taught or what we believe, God can't build without us. Amen. He needs us in the body doing our part so things can grow and things can be built. And so this is, you know, they just led, and and we can go into all the theological studies about this. How many people did they actually lead out? Was there a million? Was there, and you can go into all that. But I'll just say this, whether it was a million or 30,000, it's a lot. (laughs) Right? Whether it's a million or 30,000 people, there's a lot of people that just came out of Egypt. And there's a lot of people that Moses has to be, quote unquote, the first pastor of. (laughs) All right. And so we pick it up here. And so just imagine if you go on the low end, there's 30,000 people standing there. If you go on the high end, there's a million people standing there. Just understand it's a big group of people. 
Huge group. And so we pick it up in chapter 18, verse 13. It says the next day Moses, as usual, sat, or, uh, Moses sat as usual to hear the people's complaints against each other. <laughs> now let's just chill for a moment and think about that. Let's go with the low end because it's just easier. 30,000 people coming to him every day complaining about each other. Mm-hmm. I'll be submitting my application on the job finder right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not doing this. Give me a new career. Hallelujah. You got 30,000 people and all they do from sunup to sundown is stand before Moses and complain about each other. Woo, come on. Man, they don't want me sitting there. I'm like, get your life and get out of here. <laughs> Next, you know, done. The people's complaints about each other, they were lined up in front of him from morning until even. Verse 14, when Moses' father-in-law saw what Moses was doing for the people, he said, why are you doing all this alone? The people have been standing here all day to get your help. Moses replied, well, the people come to me and they seek God's guidance. When argument arises, I'm the one who settles the case. I inform the people of God's decisions and teach them his laws and instructions. I love verse 17. This is not good. His father-in-law exclaimed, you're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy of a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now let me give you a word of advice and you may go and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing him their uh, questions to be decided. You should tell them God's decisions and teach them God's laws and instructions and show them how to conduct their lives. But find some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as judges over groups of 1,150 and 10. These men can serve. Someone say serve. These men can serve. Notice they didn't come to replace, but they came to help. Amen. These men came to serve the people, resolving the ordinary cases and anything that's too important or too complicated could be brought to you. But they can take care of the small matters themselves, and this will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. I love this. If you follow this advice and God directs you to do so, then you'll be able to endure the pressures of all these people, and they will go home in peace. Now, I love all this. Let's look at some things he highlights here. Verse 18, he said that the work is too big or heavy of a burden for one person. God wants things to grow. He wants the ministry. He wants new people coming in, and he wants them getting born again, and he wants them plugged in. But in order for that, the workload has to be spread out. The next thing he said in verse 18 said, doing it alone. Now, this is important. Doing it alone would wear out Moses and the people, too. So when there's not enough help, not only is it bad for the minister, but it's bad for the church. There was a big church up in Nashville a couple years ago where the pastor retired and he did an interview and they asked him why he retired or why he resigned. He just got up in front of his church and he said, I'm done. And he got up in front of the church. He said, I'm quitting because I'm tired and I'm alone. And it was a big church, a successful church. But the burden was too heavy for him to continue to carry by himself. So he got up in front of the church and no one saw it coming out of left field. And he said, I'm done. Today's my last day. What is this? Well, this is what Jethro was telling Moses. You can't do this alone. Amen. You need help, and if you don't get help, it's going to be bad on you, and it's going to be bad on the people. When individuals, now listen to me, when individuals ignore the serving gifts and abilities that God has placed in them, it makes it difficult for the ministry to be effective, and growth is hindered. Ministry can't be effective without people serving. Ministry can't grow 
without people serving. Now let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, keeping all of this in mind, and I love this, out of the English Standard Version, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now this verse has two points. I want to highlight them. Not only were you created to good, <laughs> this is so awesome, grab a hold of it. Not only were you created to good, do good works, but you also have the inclination and the power to do them. When God created you, he created you to do good works, but then he also put in you the inclination and the power to do it. You're his workmanship, his creation to do good works. Not only does he want us doing good works, but he's inspired us and empowered us to do them as well. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, we want to show you something here when it comes and take all this and kind of package it for Cornerstone Word of Life Church. Everyone say, I'm doing all right. We have some servant stats that we would like to show you and share with you this morning. I believe they're going to inspire you. Of the needed positions to run a single service, we have 57% of those positions filled. Now listen to this. To run a single service. Now on Sunday mornings we do two. Sometimes we even do one Sunday night. Wednesday night we have youth. We have torch. We have all this stuff going on. Out of all the positions, children's worship, ushers, sound, production team, praise and worship team, we have 57% of those positions filled. So what does that mean? Of the needed positions to run a single service, uh, we have 57%. So that means 43% of the needed positions are not filled. 43%. Now, let me even break this down further, because if you think like me, and sometimes, you know, I can get analytical and I can, you know, think about all this, 57 sounds pretty good. It's 7% over 50, right? That sounds pretty good. But I want to break it down in a way that I know Alabama will understand it. So pop up that image. This is a football diagram. Now, when you play football, you have 11 on 11, right? And that's what it takes to play a football game. Now, let's imagine that the offense only has 57%. What are we trying to do? We are trying to advance the ball for Jesus. Y'all see what I did right there? Mm-hmm. We're trying to advance the ball for, now I was going to troll some people. I really was. I was going to make one color orange and one color crimson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't because I didn't want you to disconnect. Hallelujah. But look at this now. The offense has 57% of their team. What do you think their chances are against the defense? Well, I'll tell you this much. Any chance that they had with 11 v. 11 just got greatly diminished by only having 57% of their team. Now, go one step further with me. Imagine out of that 57%, two people say they can't make it. That quarterback dead. He's just dead. He's done. Imagine, and this is what it looks like. You got 57% serving, and then all of a sudden, a nursery worker calls in because they have a family emergency. Ooh, you see that, how quiet it got, Path? I know this is an illustration we can all understand. 
we have 57%, which means we have a 43% vacancy. And then out of that 57%, whether it's Sunday or Wednesday, guess what? We never have 100% of the 57% that show up. Did you follow that bouncing ball? Out of that 57% that said, yes, Lord, I'll serve. We never have 100%. See, I'm all up in your house right now. I'm making your bed. Hallelujah. Amen. Just in youth ministry, we have like 14. And I understand we're coming out of a pandemic. It's never happened before, at least in our lifetime. But it is time to move forward. It's time to get all the puzzle pieces back on the board. Amen. So we can start taking territory. See, what the devil did for the last year and a half, he tried to take territory. He was mad and he was angry. So he wanted to start taking territory back. He, the, the kingdom of heaven. How they, and I love this. The gates of hell will not prevail. You can do what you want to do. You're not going to win. So what's great about our God is he can put that back up, the 47% with the two missing, if you would, please. That God can win with that. He could win with that if he has to. The point I'm making is he doesn't have to. He's put the body together so he doesn't have to go on field <laughs> missing more than half of his team. Amen. I want to read this scripture for you out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. He says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part. I want to say each part. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I want to read how Barnes notes on the Bible broke this down because it's so important. According to the operation, as every part has its measure, the measuring is that each part contributes to the production of the whole result or labors for this. This is in proportion to the measure. Now, this goes back to what Jethro was saying. Find some people who can handle 100. Find some people who can handle 50. Find some people who can handle 10. Right? And you set them over it. We all have our proportion that God's put inside of us, our abilities, our giftings, our talents. God has put that on the inside of us. He's given every single one of us a measure of the part. That is in proportion to its power. Every part labors to produce the great result. Y'all hear me this morning. Every part labors to produce the great resort. Now, stay with me. We're almost done. No one is idle. None is useless. But none are overtaxed or overworked. The support demand and furnished by every part is the exact proportion to its strength. Now, what I really love about this is when every part is doing its part, it says nobody is overworked. Or overtaxed. Nobody is overworked or overtaxed. I shared this story when I was at Bible school. I was helping uh, Pastor Mark Brzee and Janet Brzee. I was helping their church start out. And as their church was starting out, they didn't have a building. So we used a high school auditorium every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. We would come to that high school auditorium and they'd pick me up at 430 in the morning with the U-Haul. We'd get in the U-Haul and we would go and we'd set up everything. The children's department in the basement. We'd set up these stanchions and, and we'd mark it off and we'd have nurseries and we'd have all that. We'd set up the sound, everything for the sound. And this was before the digital age. Now we just got one Cat5 cable going back 
back there, back to our thing, and it all works beautifully. No, this was when we had this thing called a snake, and it was big, and it was heavy, and it took a lot of time. We had to hang the speakers and fly the signs and set up projections. Everything we had to do for church, and we started this at 4.30 every Sunday morning, and the reason we started at 4.30 is because there was only six of us. I remember one morning I was so triggered. <laughs> I was in the lobby and I was setting up the bookstore and I was finally putting the final touches on it and getting it all done and organized and everything. And somebody walked in and church started at 1030. I think it was like 1015. So I'm scrambling to get it all done. Somebody walks in at 1015, walks up to me, says, you need some help with that? Mm-mm. <laughs> ah, I'm on my fifth cup of coffee, you know. I've scarfed down 16 donuts. I'm running on pure sugar and caffeine. You come in 15 minutes before church starts and ask me if I need help. About to choke you out right now. We're going to have a healing service. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to lay my hands on them suddenly. Hallelujah. And then Holy Ghost heal them. But this is the way it works. And you know, it, you know, they show up. The sound system's working. The projector's working. It's kind of like showing here up on a Sunday morning. Everything looks fine. Why? Because God can make it work. But when you do that long enough, a certain portion of the congregation gets overworked and overtaxed. But when everybody puts their hands to something, it's easy. Many hands make light work. Amen. I want to read one last scripture for you. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 out of Baron's Study Bible. It says there, if we have any encouragement in Christ, if we have any comfort in his love, any fellowship in the spirit, if there's any affection and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being united in the spirit and purpose. Listen, this is how we build. Like-minded, center in his love, united in purpose. Like-minded, centered in his love, United in purpose. Listen, God wants to grow this place and this ministry, but it's going to take all of us. I pray that the Holy Spirit has convicted your heart this morning and that he's inspired you to hold your place or to get involved. It's going to take all of us. Now, before we leave this morning, we want to give a call to action. So if you have a smartphone, I would like you to pull it out right now. Just everybody that's out there, if you have a smartphone, I'm about to get rid of my smartphone, go back to flip phone, T9 text, hallelujah. Just pull out your phone and they're gonna put this up. Go ahead, Wesley, throw it up. You can take a picture of that QR code and that QR code's gonna send you, as you hold up your camera, it's gonna give you an option at the top of the screen to push a button on that and it'll take you to the website. If the QR code's not working, then I encourage you to go to your web browser and just type in seawall.org forward slash serve. And this is what we need you to do right now. I left my phone down there. But as you go to this, it's gonna give you all the different places that we need the remaining 43% to get involved with. Whether it's praise and worship and we need people helping with our uh, uh, you know, piano, guitar, Whatever it may be, whether it's torch, ushers. And so as you put that up there, the QR code, I'm pretty sure the way it works is the little website, it'll recognize that that's a website, and you just push on that, it'll take you right to the page. Is it working for y'all? I need my phone to try it.
I told Wesley the other day, I have terrible experience with these QR codes. They usually don't work for me. Ah, see? And then you just push on it. It'll take you right to it. So you actually don't have to take a picture of it. You just put your phone up, open up your camera, put your phone on that QR code, and then it pops up right there at the top of the screen. Then you just push on it. It'll take you right to the website. Technology. It's amazing. You might have to zoom in on it with your camera. You might have to touch it so your camera focuses on it. What is this? It's a call to action. It's a call to action. We want you to go to this website. If you don't have your phone with you, then write that down. CWOL.org forward slash serve. Go there. See everywhere that we need. You just click on join a team and it'll take, Robert, why are you pushing so hard? Because this is important. It's important. We cannot give the devil the advantage. You can't give him the advantage. Amen? And we know he never truly has the advantage because we serve Jesus Christ. But why at the same time would we shoot ourselves in the throat and make it more difficult than it needs to be? Amen? So this is important. It's important for you and your family. It's important for the people that are not yet sitting in this room. Because when they come, they need to experience his love and his goodness and his grace and the saving power of Jesus Christ. And as we serve, we produce an environment for all of that. So if your phone's not working, then just write down the website, go to it later, and join a group. Also, as you're leaving this morning, we have tables at the back of the room. So maybe the picture thing wasn't working for you. The QR code wasn't working for you. Maybe you don't have an opportunity to write down the website. Then as you're leaving, stop by the table. There'll be a leader back there. There's a pen. There's a card. We're not going to give your information out. That card, you're going to give it to the leader, and then we're going to drop it right in the offering receptacle so it's protected. But we need everybody to do what God has called them to do. Can I get an amen? Let me pray for you before you go. Father God, I thank you for this entire body. I thank you for the word that was ministered this morning. I ask that you just continue to reveal the importance of serving to us and that we would understand that you've put it on the inside of us and you've given us the inclination and the power to perform these good works. I thank you as we set our hands to the work plow and start doing these good deeds outside the church and inside the church that we reveal the source of light and it brings glory to our Heavenly Father. And as we do that, the ministry grows, the body grows, and it's healthy and full of love. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.